Welcome to Tech Deciphered. We bring you the entrepreneur and investor views on big tech, VC, and startup news, opinion pieces, and research. We decipher their meaning and add inside knowledge and context. We also share our insights and experience with you, with unique nuggets and lessons that we learned the hard way. No smoke and mirrors, no BS. Being nerds, we also discuss gadgets and pop culture news. Hi, I'm your co-host Nuno Gonçalves Pedro, entrepreneur and venture capitalist, co-founder and managing partner at Chameleon and Strive Capital. And I am your co-host, Bertrand Schmidt, entrepreneur in residence at Red River West, co-founder of App Annie. We have both been in tech for almost 25 years. Nuno is based in Silicon Valley, while I am based in the greater Seattle area, having previously worked and lived in Europe and Asia. With Tech Deciphered, discover how the best entrepreneurs pitch, how investors think, and what are the deep trends underlying the tech industry. You can check the latest on our website, decipheredshow.com. You can also connect with us on Twitter at bschmidt and at ngpedro. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor. Subscribe, give us five stars, and or leave a review on Apple Podcasts app or your favorite app. This will help other people discover Tech Deciphered. In this episode, episode 52 of Tech Deciphered, we will talk about the Apple Vision Pro. It's now out, and both Bertrand and myself got ourselves one. So what are our first impressions on the early days of the Vision Pro? Will this revolutionize the future of input and output? Is this the new iPhone? Is this finally the product that Tim Cook has developed that shows us that he is the future of Apple? So let's start with the overall impressions, uh, Bertrand. What are your overall impressions? Yeah, what are my overall impressions? It's a mixed bag, that's for sure. It's a very impressive piece of tech. I think my worry is that it has been kind of oversold by Apple, but also by a lot of YouTubers. When you look at, keep looking at these YouTube videos of people using it for eight hours a day, I think it's total, utterly bullshit. There is no way in hell any normal human being will put that on their head eight hours a day unless forced <laughs> to do it. Unless you're working on your neck, like you're a Formula One driver or something. Oh, exactly. You are working on your neck, yes, it's <laughs> neck training. No, more seriously, Overall, and we will go more in depth uh, later in this episode, I feel it's a great device for maybe two use cases. One is if you want to watch 3D content. To watch 3D content, 3D movies, potentially at some point 3D sports when we get that. We don't have that yet so far. 3D concerts, then I think it's awesome. Watching uh, 90 minutes of uh, 3D movies It's just an insane experience for me. It's just amazing. It's your best way to consume a Blade Runner 2049, a Dune. It's actually maybe better than in a movie theater if you combine it with a proper headset because the audio is quite good. The bass are pretty poor. So for me today, as a mainstream consumer, that's uh, the best main use case. For businesses, there might be some reason to, to look at, if you are doing 3D design, to look at 3D objects in the middle of your room. I can see that as well. Beyond that, I think we are talking about very stretch use cases. One of these could be to record a video of what you are doing and sharing that with others for training. I could see that probably for training purposes. But beyond that, at this stage, I'm not sure what's the point to put 2D panels in the middle of a 3D vision with a headset that's very heavy and very uncomfortable. 
And I don't know your experience, uh, you know, wearing the headset, but anyone telling you that this headset is nice to wear, do they have a metal head <laughs> to wear that comfortably? I have no clue. I mean, I'm hopeful there will be better straps. Yes. But for me, it's kind of still a nightmare to wear it. Yeah, this has been tested by uh, 007 villains, so they all can withstand the weight <laughs> of the thing on their head. Fully agree with your assessment. It's impossible to have it on your head, to be honest, even for more than an hour and a half, two hours. An hour and a half and two hours is already a lot. So even watching that movie, you might have to take a little break to watch that movie, in particular if it's over two hours, which many of the sci-fi movies are actually are, or at least the canonical ones. Agree that for the consumer side, I think the consumption of content will be great. Maybe I would say besides immersive content, immersive communication, we'll get back to that later on the Zoom experience and the FaceTime experience. So I won't unravel that whole discussion right now, but the immersive communication piece, I think will get finally sorted at some point. So for me, those two pieces are the pieces that are going to be core to the early use cases of the Vision Pro. Business agree with you, some sort of collaboration tool, some sort of consumption also of immersive content for business is quite powerful, but it's $3,500, right? And it's so expensive. I mean, it's more expensive than a really good laptop <laughs> or an, an iMac. <laughs> it's a price range of your high-end MacBook Pro. Yeah, it's the price range of like the best-in-class laptop that you could use out there from Apple. I mean, it's like, it's just expensive as hell. I feel, maybe giving it the other angle, I feel as a platform. So the Vision Pro is a platform that they launched where they don't have any killer apps yet almost. I mean, except maybe for the content, immersive content piece, they have no killer apps day one. As I said, I think they will have immersive communication day two, day 100, whenever a lot of these bugs are sorted out. But day one, that's it. So they launch a platform, which is the Vision Pro. It's really exceptional. As you said at the beginning, it's great technology. It's really incredible. It does show us a glimpse of the future, but it's not the future yet. And I agree with you because of the size and the how heavy the device is, I'm not sure as a platform it would stand the test of time, even with software updates, etc. I have a bunch of things that I have issues with this on. We were just, uh, before recording this episode, trying to sort out my persona, which is in beta trial, but it needs the optical ID thing and the optical ID thing for some reason is not working for me and I don't know why and maybe I need to clean it better. I'm not sure. It's just there's still all these little quirks at the core of the experience, right? Like, like the optical ID piece that are just like, guys, why did you launch it, right? Maybe you should have waited a little bit more and have that ecosystem a little bit more prepared. Yeah, I think the usual way to launch a product where, you know, so you, we present you a bit in advance, we share with you at developer conference the details of the API, you can learn how to compile on your Mac, make it work, but you cannot access the device and you have to wait so long before you can access the device. Basically, most developers who have developed a, any app for the Vision Pro probably didn't have any access to the Vision Pro itself. So you are guaranteed a few months of horrible bugs uh, trying to just make it work. And surprisingly enough, even as you say, the Apple apps are actually not working so well. I mean, you're having issues with uh, Apple ID. Yeah. Uh, me, I'm facing a contact page that's empty and everything is actually proper linked on my account and everything, but it's empty by default. And I have to manually add everyone so that I can FaceTime them. It's just pretty insane. So it's not a bug per se, it's just horrible design. So it's very weird out of the box. I still want to say that out of the box, that media consumption with Apple TV 
If you are watching, 3D content is totally insane. For me, it has replaced my home cinema at home. <laughs> I'm putting a big high-end headset. I have a really good bass as a result and the Vision Pro. And it's the best movie theater experience I ever had. I mean, it beats a movie theater because there is no one around <laughs> blocking my view. I'm in the perfect spot and it's better 3D that you can have in a movie theater. And it's better color. I mean, you have an OLED screen versus a projection. For me, there is one use case. I'm very surprised that they have not pushed hard on it because a lot of their other use cases are simply not there. Another piece I see a lot of, I mean, Apple is showing off. You are watching your Apple Vision Pro in a plane. Come on. I mean, this stuff is the size of a backpack when the box to put your Vision Pro in. Yeah. It's on backpack. We seriously going to transport that in a plane. So you don't take any other luggage. It's just your Vision Pro with you. <laughs> I mean, this is nuts. I mean, and people will say, oh yeah, it's great. It's an external screen for my Mac. Come on, you can get an external screen that's a small, slim, light and put in your backpack on top of your Mac and everything else. So that's not a realistic alternative. And at home or at work, of course, you have an external screen if that's what you need. Don't tell me you need a Vision Pro for an external screen. So I think this use case just makes zero sense. For me, at this stage today, makes zero sense. But that media consumption has really shocked me because I'm doing it only once <laughs> every day at night. And the other piece that has shocked me is the quality of the spatial 3D. So if you start watching a 3D object in your home, it can be a Formula One car, it can be a human body. It just sits there perfectly at the right height with the right lighting in a very good pass-through environment in the middle of your living room, for instance. It's awesome. I don't have a real use case for it, but it's super, super awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure some 3D professionals will have use case for it. That is also very, very well nailed. But everything else at this stage, it's like, whatever. <laughs> There's this video with the Apple Immersive video stuff that has all their nature videos that are available for free. And also the, the Alicia Keys. Yeah, the Apple Immersive videos are awesome. Awesome. The Alicia Keys recording thing, whatever. And I had a friend of mine test it over the weekend. And she was afraid, like, because there's one where she's doing some tightrope walking over a cliff, whatever. And, and she's like, I can't watch anymore. I'm, I'm out. And I was watching and I'm a huge fanboy of Alicia Keys. I know she's well married, but I'm a huge fanboy of hers. And this was before, obviously, the Super Bowl, which she was part of the performance as well with Usher. And I was like, this is so cool because I could like literally see her, right? Like she's talking to us, right? To the camera and so, or to the cameras. And you're like, wow, this is like different ball game in terms of experience. So that was really... Amazing. I want to add on that because I believe that as of today, the best 3D content for uh, the Vision Pro is actually what Apple calls the Apple Immersive Video, which is kind of a rebranding for a standard that has been around for a while, which is VR 180, except that Apple did it in 8K, 90 FPS. So it's just absolutely awesome because this one compared to a 3D movie, it's totally filling your field of view horizontally and vertically and beyond. So you can slightly turn your head, which you do normally, you know, your head doesn't stay fixed like crazy <laughs> watching something. 
Yeah. So it's a very, very, very nice experience. And because it's Apple, you can still see your hands. I don't know if you noticed, you know, but the fact that you can move your head normally, see your hands normally as you would in a movie theater, it doesn't feel like a, an off-body experience. It feels normal and natural. Yeah. The baby rhinos, we all want to touch the baby rhinos, right? When the baby rhinos come and it's like everyone, my friend was also wanting to touch the baby rhinos. You didn't want to touch the big dinosaur? <laughs> I didn't get to the big dinosaur yet, yes. Uh, you, you would see it's cute. <laughs> yeah, another yes. type of cute. Yes. It was not a baby. <laughs> but this one was also, yeah, very shocking experience and Quite impressive because it's mixing up AR pass-through. So you can get a glimpse of what proper quality content will generate. And I must say the Alicia Key uh, video, what was especially awesome is that you got really the impression to be with her and her team. She was there, yeah. Yeah, we were there with her. Yeah, she was there. And it felt like for the first time you are properly watching uh, normal humans in video and it's so much more awesome in 3D yeah. than in 2D. That was really my tech. It's so much more awesome. And I don't know if you noticed with all these immersive videos, it's a very different game than, you know, recording 3D movies because there was no special effect. Yeah. The camera is just sitting there watching at human hate. So it's very immersive because you are at the normal hate. You are looking at her as if you were in the room. There is no special effects. It's really enabling you to be immersive as if you were somewhere. It's either with Alicia Keys or it's uh, watching baby rhinos or it's yeah. watching someone walking on a cliff. But that for me is very impressive that a proper 3D immersive experience does not require special effects. And you could argue maybe it's the end of special effects because now that you can be with someone in the middle of that movie... There is no need for special effects. You don't need to zoom in. You don't need to do anything. Well, you still need it for sci-fi and stuff, right? You still need it for movies that require fundamental changes to environment, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. You might need CGI, but you don't need that out-of-focus, in-focus, yeah, yeah, sudden yeah. big yeah. zooms, that sort of stuff. I feel movie making is totally different. And actually, that's what the experts say who are used to do this type of video, is that it's a totally different way of doing 3D movie making. Yeah. And I'm very excited when we'll see more of it because I think it might be the ultimate media consumption experience, actually. To be where you are without anything special beyond potentially CGI. To bring it all together and overall, maybe from my perspective, immersive, huge thumbs up. In the last two weeks, I've done the two most interesting immersive experiences probably of my life recently, which was watching you two at the Sphere and now Apple Vision Pro, this is intimate. This is yourself. It's individual. Obviously, the sphere is you're with a bunch of other people. But this is incredible. I think this is the first time, to your point, Bertrand's like, I was smiling at Alicia Keys. I mean, there's no way in hell she was smiling at me because obviously <laughs> she's just looking at a camera. But it's like, I mean, that's incredible, right? It's like, it's like that level of intimacy. I think the Vision Pro is incredibly good at proposing. I still believe maybe the communication thing they'll nail for intimacy as well and for immersion. I agree that as a platform, this is maybe just the beginning. It's going to be a V2 or a V3 that's going to be the the next thing. I'm relatively optimistic. I sort of, I told you so, I felt the, the Vision Pro, the first version was going to be somehow a bit limited and clunky. 
it is really exceptional the way they did it. And there's pieces of the software that you could see if they sort out the edges, it might actually work really well. I mean, the price, I think, is the big showstopper of this thing. I mean, 3500 bucks for this is just silly. So you have some very strong views that this might be one of the worst products in Apple's history in terms of returns and stuff. So, Yeah, I think, again, I have some very strong positive thoughts. Huh? As of today, it is the best way to experience any 3D movie or immersive video format. And what about 2D, you could ask? Yeah, I think it's a good way to experience 2D, but that special thing is with 3D content. So, of course, you can still watch well 2D content. I think there is a real use case to say, okay, I'm going to replace my home cinema or that uh, when my spouse is using home cinema, I have my own and we can watch two different stuff and no fight. So that might be the way to look at it. Again, if you're a professional doing 3D design, I think that there is huge value. You might still be missing the tools. Just to be clear, you can watch stuff. Open 3D files with some additional apps, but I don't think you have any creation app, but I'm sure it will be coming in one or two years. Again, for travel use case, forget it. I think another big piece is that it's not a social experience at all at this stage. You need friends who have an Apple Vision Pro, have set on that person I will, and you can call them in FaceTime and you can have somewhat of something social. But what is clear is that it's not for something to enjoy with people around you. I mean, forget the outside uh, stuff. It's useless. So it's really not social at this stage. So for me, that's also another issue I have with it. On the plus side, it's very private. You want to do stuff privately, watch stuff privately. No one can watch above your shoulder. So that's a positive. Yeah, but they can sort of see what's being projected in your, in your thing. It's actually less private than other solutions out there. Certainly the VR immersive. How, how do they watch? Sorry. I can watch in front of you and there's things going on on the screen. I could see s at least some stuff that's going on the screen from the other side. But if I don't decide to share, you cannot see anything. No, 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 no. If I, on the other side of your lenses, I could see stuff that's going on in your lenses. No, you can block. You see uh, eyesight, but I don't think you see anything. Eyesight is not showing what you see. Are you sure of that? Yes. Is it, okay. You only see what Apple wants you to see on the outside, and they want you to see that you're doing something, watching something, showing your eyes, but it's not showing what you are seeing. Okay. It's totally blocked. So overall, my take is that it might be the, uh, the highest return rate of any Apple product, because I think you talk about price. People will be very critical. Is it worth 3.5K? I think there are some use cases where, yes, it is. I don't think it is today. I mean, for sure. But yeah, I think overall, a lot of people will be either I'm a huge fanboy or I'm a VR developer or, okay, I love to watch 3D content and now that's my best device. But beyond that, every other use case, I think is not there. So why keep it instead of returning it, waiting one year for a better version? And again, the whole environment, app ecosystem, I mean, it's just not there. I think it was one question to say, you know what, your first iPhone, it's like, okay, it was expensive, but only 600 bucks in comparison. And it was working for the base use case, which was phone and Safari. You, you had these three use cases. Yeah. And with any of these use cases, you know, email and mobility, Safari and mobility and, and phone, I mean, it was like, yeah, all combined, it was a game changer. And the US was... UI was, of course, amazing. So I think it's a very, very different ball game. I'm a believer that Apple will improve hardware and software. Don't get me wrong. All the bugs we are talking about and stuff. 
even the weight and size and bulk will decrease. I'm more pessimistic that we will get in a reasonable price range quick, quickly, but that in three years, we have removed most of the issues and the price is a bit better. Yes. In five years, that it's quite game changer, probably. In 10 years, that it gets to some scale similar to tablets. Yes. That's why I see this. So I would say overall cautiously optimistic on the midterm. I think what they should have called it is not the Apple Vision Pro, but the Apple Vision <laughs> Developer Edition. I think that would have been a, a more fair expectation. But right now, I think it's an issue. And I think YouTubers, for instance, are really too much spinning this stuff out. Yeah. This is a developer tool. This is not a ready, full-on consumer, let's go do stuff. Yeah. So I think they've positioned it as a consumer thing. And that's their fault. And I think it's a mistake. It was a mistake. Agreed. Let's go in-depth analysis. So let's go about the pros first. Again, I think as a first pro, that's really the best way to watch a 3D movie. You have a huge screen size. You have the best 3D quality you have ever experienced. And as long as you combine that with a proper high-quality headset for big bass, then you have something quite magical, I must say. And especially if you start with the Apple Immersive content, you have some 3D IMAX content as well. And you have your 4K Dolby Vision 3D. For this use case, it's amazing. I think the big question is, if that's enough for you to keep it, it's that one killer feature right now. I think so. I mean, for me, the whole experience you get for movies is amazing. I agree with you. You need earphones. I started using my AirPods with it when I'm in it. I mean, the demos are incredible. We've already talked about a few of them, so we won't belay too much on it. There will be, I believe, some interesting experience for basic gaming, I think, to start with. I'm not sure I would see mid-core coming anytime soon because of controllers. But I feel in gaming, we're going to have uh, some interesting casual things coming up as well that would be developed well for the Vision Pro. But overall, I was like blown away with the immersive nature of the content, blown away. It is impressive. I don't see anyone buying a Vision Pro for casual gaming. Yes. We already discussed nobody's going to buy the Vision Pro for any reason whatsoever because it's too expensive, right? But if you have a Vision Pro, I feel the experience of potentially starting to play with casual games is something that will come your way. So that's how I see it. I have tried a few casual games from one music game to some uh, more traditional game improved or remastered for Vision Pro. And yeah, I think it's a nice addition. No one in his right mind should, should buy that for this use case at this stage. I would say, and we'll talk later about this, that's where the Quest 3 actually shines quite a bit. There is some proper high quality VR game content that you don't find in the Vision Pro and you might not find until they decide to add controllers. Yeah. Again, in the pros, I think there is amazing stuff to watch in your living room <laughs> or your office. Take that dinosaur demo app, take that jig app where you can watch any 3D design, basically, mm -hmm. from a car to an engine to a plane and human body. You can watch that in detail in your room. It's amazing. I mean, this... Stuff is amazing, and that's where the pass-through is, for me, truly shining, because there is a use for the pass-through. You, you can move around, watch around without tripping <laughs> in your living room or in your office. So that is amazing. I don't have a use case for it, but I'm sure some have. And the more we have tools to not just watch that content, but edit it, correct it, shape it, that would be amazing step by step. So I see a future there if 3D design is, is one of your priorities. Or you have stuff to learn that benefit from 3D. 
the nature episodes that we talked about earlier, the nature series in 3D, the uh, Alicia Keys recording room thing, etc. So there's a couple of really, really cool things for you to do it. In any case, start with the Apple immersive demo, right, for content. And it's relatively short and you'll get a feel for some of the key scenes in all of these videos. Maybe audio. I think the audio is great. It's, as I said, it's just the headsets it's themselves are not. So you need to add headsets to it. Personally, I feel the audio is absolutely amazing. It's just that it's lacking bass. But if you forget the bass part, this audio is crystal clear. When you talk to someone else, we see it actually on FaceTime. Mm -hmm. It's actually the best audio I've done remote with anyone. Out of the box, the audio of the other person was absolutely perfect. It was like being with him in the room. That I was quite shocked. A human voice doesn't require too much bass, actually, so that's why it was great. Again, for movies, it's not good enough, but for YouTube videos or talking to someone, it's actually quite amazing. And I have not tried, but apparently it's extremely good at excluding any other audio but your own audio. So some people say that I'm in the middle of a train station and no one is hearing I'm in a train station. Yeah, so the audio is great, but what we're saying is the speakers are great if it's just voice stuff that you want. If you want immersive, you need to put your earphones yeah, exactly. on or something like that. Yeah, so it's basically the speaker nature of the device rather than the audio itself. The audio is actually really, really good. I think hands are working really well. You see them. It's always visible, even in the middle of the movie theater environment. You can use your hands in some apps to move objects. But the fact that they are always visible, you see your own hands, and it's very different from a, a Quest 3 experience, for instance, where it's fake hands. It's pretty impressive. It's well done. The hands are great. The sensitivity of them are, is okay. I think we'll talk about keyboard later on, but the keyboard experience is not so great. Oh, yeah. But otherwise, the hand stuff is actually great. And to your point from a UX, UI perspective, it's definitely ahead of the other things that are out there in the market, right? The ability that you have of moving stuff around, how intuitive it is to close windows and do things around it is, is pretty significant. Yeah. The pass-through is overall also a great experience. I mean, it has virtually no lag. It's good, not great image quality, but it's good image quality. It's difficult to see stuff close, just to be clear. Yes, you can wa read your watch, but forget about reading stuff on your iPhone. I mean, yes, you can read the password on your iPhone, but you don't want to read anything on your iPhone. Yeah. yeah. It looks like the, the main issue is a lack of autofocus for the camera. I'm not clear. I think they have a fixed focus. So they are not able to focus at something close. That's the main reason. So that's something that can be corrected and is actually available on a high-end headset called the Vario XR4, where you have a special version with uh, autofocus. And this one is only 10K. <laughs> so it's slightly more expensive, I guess. I agree on the pass-through. Very difficult to do things on your phone while you're doing it. It needs to be minimal. It needs to be, like, as you said, a password or something you need to approve. A bit of a problem because your face ID is gone, so you're like, then you need to put the code again for the, the pin for the phone. I hope Apple at some point sorts this out as well. I'm not always using my Apple Watch and, and all that stuff, so I don't know. It felt a little bit clunky, the whole experience. That's when uh, having a Samsung phone with uh, fingerprint reading is yes, yes, I'm on a Samsung phone right now, actually, today. So definitely giving value to that, but I fully agree with you. It's a great experience, the pass-through experience. It feels like you're seeing through when effectively you're just being given images of what's on the other side. And there's no way you're going to bump into someone when you're doing it. Like even if you're in your home or against the wall, it's very clear what you're seeing. Yes, I would agree. But I would say to people, be careful 
because it's not the same field of view. So you are missing your normal real life field of view. And because of that, there is stuff you might bump into that you might not have seen because vertically, horizontally, it's not the same as human eyes. So be careful even at home and absolutely never use that outside your home. It's crazy, just to be clear. It's dangerous. Okay, if you are seated in a plane, that's okay, but don't use it walking anywhere outside. That's a danger. Yeah, and on top of that, two things to put into context here. One is if you're in full immersive mode, like we were talking about some of these videos, like the Alicia Keys one and some of the nature ones, you are in full immersive mode, right? Yes. You can see your hands, but that's really it. You're not seeing through anything. And then, so that then obviously blocks your view. You're more in a VR type of mode. And then the second piece is obviously the windows. If a window is stuck in front of you on your line of sight, you don't see through those windows depending on the window opacity, et cetera. So it might be that you don't see through the window either, right? So again, don't use it while you're walking outside, I guess. That's the, the message there. On this one, the only good news and downside of Apple's special technology is that if you have a window and you are walking, the window is going to quickly disappear because it's stuck in, in space where you put it. So that's the very odd part. I was expecting some experience where you walk with a window that stays in your field of view. For instance, let's say you have a video. You move around your home or your office while the video stays in your headset. No, that's not how it's working. The yes. video disappears step by step. Yes. Because it's still where you put it. And it's amazing. You can come back and the video is exactly where you left it. So... Yeah. Their tech is insane versus anything that happened before. And one thing that you truly get was calling it spatial technology is not a gimmick. It's truly what they have achieved. It is truly special, yeah. It's truly special. But at the same time, there are a lot of stuff I would like to keep in my field of view. Like, again, a video. I'm chatting with someone. I'm moving around my home. I want that person to still be there with me, not gone. They should have like some lock mode, some spatial lock mode where I lock exactly. my, my field of view, yeah. And given that it's purely software, I guess they can do it. There is no restriction. However, given it's a change of UX and it's Apple, maybe they will refuse to change that for the next five years. <laughs> I, I hope they don't because, again, they've done the more difficult piece, which is the, the tracking spatial recognition is state of the art, as you said. So doing the lock is actually the easier part, right? Which just stays in your view. Yeah, so hopefully they won't have this fundamentalist religious fight with us again and say, oh, no, 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 you can't lock it. Like, why? But exactly, that's what I'm worried, that it will be a philosophical fight. <laughs> Maybe because of what you said earlier in the episode, because you should never use it walking and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yes. Let's go to image quality. I think, again, this stuff is amazing. That's the first time, and I've used a lot of VR headset uh, over the years, that's the first time that the resolution is perfect. You don't see the pixels. The colors are great. The brightness is insane. Actually, there are some movies <laughs> I'm watching. I have to close my eyes. It's too much brightness for me. My eyes need time to adjust. And for the FOV, I think it's good enough. Of course, I wish a bigger FOV. I don't know if it's around 100 degrees. I wish bigger, but it's big enough for the current experience you get from the Vision Pro. Give me more, no question, but good enough for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, image quality is, is stellar. I mean, you can't have a fully immersive experience if the image quality is not stellar. Yes. And I think they've taken us to the next level. The bar now is at a different level altogether. 
And for me, to that point, we got more and more used with our laptop screens, external screens, 4K TVs, iPhone, to have a retina quality image in front of you. I would say in VR, in AR, it's even more important because it's always in front of you, this screen. So everywhere you look at, if you see pixel, it's horrible, especially that it's been five, 10 years in your normal life, you don't see the pixel anymore. So I think they were, they were absolutely right to wait to launch this device until they can achieve retina level quality. That was the right decision. Battery life, I don't know for you, you know, but for me, it's really not an issue. People are complaining. I don't see any normal human being watching more than three hours of content every day in this device. Maybe you are not a normal human being and you want to use that more than three hours, but you get around three hours of battery life, more than two, definitely two hours and a half, maybe. And it's easy to plug it if you're not moving too much while you are watching something. I think it's a non-issue. Of course, I would prefer to have the battery on my headset, not in a pocket, but I think it's no big deal and, and completely overblown at this stage. Yeah, I agree. I, but I think it's more because of the limitation, right? The battery is not fine if you could wear it for four hours. It's just because you can. The battery is <laughs> yes, fine. You're right. So yeah. It's sort of not a feature. It's sort of like the, it's part of the bug. Yeah. <laughs> the negative, it's a bug that then makes yeah. the other thing feel fine. Yeah. True. <laughs> it's so heavy, it's okay, right? Because you're yeah, going to have to take it off anyway. So you might as well charge it. And to this point, I think that that's uh, the realization that compared to an iPhone, an iPad, a laptop, a computer, it is not designed to be used eight hours a day. This is not designed for that as of today. You are a madman if you believe you buy that to replace a Mac. That's total madness. Moving on maybe to the cons. We've already mentioned a few because we couldn't help ourselves. Well, head, weight, comfort. It is relatively comfort, but for a short period of time, right? I mean, it's just, then it heavy is the crown, I guess, is what comes to mind. It's fine if you have a little bit of some sort of backing, like to your point, reclining chair, if there's something behind our heads, it's a little bit easier. Like if you're on a sofa and there's nothing behind, it's you still feel a little bit the weight as well. Yeah. You get tired quickly. I think my max right now, to be very honest with you, is maybe 30-something minutes. I've never gone past an hour. And 30-something minutes, if you remember, is sort of what everyone was saying for the Quest in general because of VR and all that stuff. I'm yet to watch a full-on movie on it. Uh, I realized the Dune movie you're talking about is the first one, right? I want to watch the second one. <laughs> so I want to wait until the second one is out. <laughs> and so... Yeah, that was episode one. So maybe I'll try with the stuff that's available for free and watch a few of them in, in a row. And I didn't have as much time this weekend as I expected to have because I had friends over for Super Bowl and all that stuff. But And I was on the road. There's a lag here on the analysis between Bertrand and me because I was on the road for a little bit longer. So I got mine later. <laughs> so, so Bertrand was sending me all these tips and all these things. And I'm like, okay. But I still need to test it a little bit more. Definitely, it's a device that I see myself going back to. Unlike, to be honest, my MetaQuest 2, I haven't used it in a long time. I think that the fact they nailed the media content is a big one, media content consumption. Me, I've, to your point, I've used it up to 90 minutes in a row. So I would say for movies, it, it's okay because if it's a long movie, I would just split it in two, <laughs> to be clear, because I rarely have three hours in a go available to watch something. But split into a long movie, that's actually kind of perfect. But yeah, three hours in a row, I'm not sure I would be ready for that in the current version. Another piece I want to be careful, if you're doing basic media consumption, it's fine. But if you're trying to do more, it can be very tiring for the eyes because using your eyes to control a UI 
is actually very bad for your eyes. Your eye muscles are not used to do that. Your eyes are used to keep moving around and stuff, not to be locked in place, look fixately at a UI element in order to control it and then snap it with your fingers. So mm -hmm. I think if that UI is very well done, I'm actually kind of worried to use that UI on a regular basis, like for work, for instance, because I'm very worried your eye muscles are not designed for that, are not used to it. Another piece I was reading, people were saying you are blinking less in that type of environment, which is also an issue because your eyes should be blinking regularly. <laughs> so that's something to be seen. So again, it goes back to if you are using it 90 minutes a day for media consumption, it's not a problem. If you are planning again to use it for eight hours a day, I'm not sure you really know what you are getting into. Yeah, and there will be other side effects because of the weight and the, and the sight and stuff. So yes, definitely, I think this is going to be a little bit of a backlash at some point on that. So definitely tiring for the eyes. The hands, I feel, are interesting for you to do, obviously, the things in terms of user interface, but there's very limited UI interactions, to be honest. There's very few things, like there's three movements that matter, sort of, right? And then can you do other things with your hands? Is there any other thing that you could use it for? I don't know if we're getting this because it's early days, and so Apple has ideas on what else they want to do with your hands. I hope so. Otherwise, right now, it's pretty limited. Yeah, that's the part I feel odd because your hands are always visible and nicely so. It's well done because it's not easy in pass-through for your hands, but they are barely used. I mean, touching two fingers to click, okay. But I mean, we have hands. We have evolved with millions of years of evolution to use our hands to do stuff. I mean, to be honest, some of this stuff should be even better. Like they measure like when you put your eyebrows up, right? You could say the, I'm looking at something, it's pointing at that thing and the click is when my eyebrows go up, right? So I'm not even sure you need hands for everything, but, but still, if you have your hands, what do you do with your hands? I just feel, yes, that your hands are underutilized. I think your eyebrows are underutilized as well. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, and I think it's a big issue. When you look at your computer, you use your hands. When you use your iPad, your iPhone, you use your hands. So it's kind of the first device where your hands are mostly useless, I would say. I don't think it's natural. It's not natural. And there are things that are funny, right? Like the recentering, you need to go back to the button, right? Why can't we do recentering with your hand? Why can't I do some movement with a hand to recenter? Yeah, you could put your hands with a special movement so to show, hey, this is where I want that position. Yeah. Agreed. So another piece, again, we talk about it, but that situation where all your apps window stays in place and don't follow you, that's super, super odd in a lot of situations. I hope they will find a way to change that at some point. We talk about recentering, but I don't think that's enough. You cannot have a video or audio call and have these calls following you. So for me, it's very odd. It is super hard. And I think it would be easier for them to just do the lock position. I hope so. Hopefully this is not a religious fight with Apple again, because we are fed up of that. I think controllers in general, we'll talk about controls and input and output. Some sort of VR controllers. There's also no proper VR games yet there. I think I input and output in general, right? The ability for me to connect other things to it, like a keyboard, a mouse, whatever, that I could use it actually as a tool where I'm writing text on something and I'm consuming content on the other side. I feel a lot of people, when they saw the demo of the Apple Vision Pro, felt this potentially could replace my computer or at the very least my iPad for certain productivity things. 
it can't really if you can't connect your <laughs> a keyboard or a mouse or something, right? Because as the keyboard experience on the Vision Pro is relatively atrocious. It's it's very much a V1 experience. It's very, very atrocious. It's horrible. If you talk about the virtual keyboard, using your eyes to press on a key or using your finger and typing in that virtual keyboard, it's just one of the worst UI experience I've had to type on a keyboard. So yes, you can connect with Bluetooth a keyboard. And usually I've not done that. What I have done is connect my Mac to my Vision Pro and my Mac itself connected to a keyboard and to a mouse. So that's working. So usually that's how I use a keyboard, having <laughs> a Mac uh, connected to my Vision Pro. But you can directly connect a keyboard. You cannot connect directly a mouse. You can connect a mouse to your Mac, but you can't directly connect a mouse to your Vision Pro. You can connect on your trackpad for some reason. That it doesn't seem to work well. There is always weird stuff with your v virtual keyboard and stuff. So for me today, if I want to type anything on the Vision Pro, I connect my Mac to the Vision Pro and then type as I would on my Mac. And that experience will work and the same using my mouse. But excluding my Mac from that interaction, I don't think I will bother connect a virtual keyboard because all of these apps and stuff are still like buggy, not working correctly in terms of input. I mean, it just like doesn't feel serious about it. I mean, this is not a device that will let you forget your Mac if you are serious about doing work. You will still connect your Mac to it if you are serious about doing work. And it's strange because I feel that was one of the key things that the iPhone did so well. Yes, yes, I totally agree. The first iPhone, the keyboard experience was radical. That's the problem we had with PDAs and other smartphone-like things that were in the market. The keyboards were crap, right? If it was just sort of, if it wasn't a BlackBerry, right? So if you didn't have a physical keyboard, the virtual keyboards were all crap. And then Apple came in and was like, oh my God, you could do a good keyboard. And this is the opposite, like we're going back, like this is like a PDA experience on an Apple device. It's like, why doesn't this work well? It's worse than any PDA. I mean, it's the level of a PDA before multi-touch, you know, when you had to use a stylus and click one by one on keys on the keyboard. But even that experience might have been better than on a Vision Pro. And we will go back to this. Using a Quest 3 controller is a better experience to type on the keyboard. Can you believe it? I'm still in shock. How bad is that keyboard, especially coming from Apple? A few other stuff, I mean, the persona is still very much work in progress. It's odd looking. At some point, you get used to FaceTiming someone with a persona, but it's still very odd. And what is very odd is actually the persona is in 2D. It's projected on a 2D plane. I understand they use a persona as a camera. So you are visible on the camera. As a result, it can work with any app, even if it's not really optimized. Uh, take Microsoft Teams, Zoom. But in FaceTime, I would have expected a persona that is in 3D. And it's not. So not only it's kind of lifeless, and you know it's in that uncanny valley where it's close enough, but not close enough. But on top of it, you are in a 3D environment and it's presented to you in 2D. So I guess they will correct it. They show it a beta tag on it. So let's not be too hard. I think it has potential to personal. It has potential to get better. It's still beta. I, I'm a little bit less negative on it. I feel it's going to evolve. It says beta on the cover. I'm pissed off like hell that it still doesn't work for me because of the optical ID thing. And I've created now two personas. But it looks virtual, right? It looks like an avatar that is not fully three-dimensional, but it's an avatar that is 
interesting. I'm a little bit less negative on that. I feel it will evolve. And right now it's fine. Yeah. But I want the optical ID thing to, to work. I think that's the only thing I want. Yeah, for you, for you <laughs> to work. I would say it still requires service work, but in a V4, it's probably going to be great. Again, it's too big to transport. You don't leave home or your office with it on a regular basis. It's just too big. And uh, you don't want it to get stolen. So forget about this use case. It would be my tech. Hopefully at some point it changes. And Apple being Apple didn't give us an accessory to transport it because obviously they want us to pay for it. Yes. And it's like, I mean, $3,500 in such a sort of developmental stage, it would be cool if they'd given us some sort of bag to transport it on. And let's not forget that base price is with the base storage. So it can go up to more than that. And there is tax and stuff. Image quality, I want to say I have one issue, it's glare. There is glare and especially visible when you have some bright image and you are in that dark movie theater mode. You see that glare in media consumption and that's my biggest negative in image quality. I managed to get over it, but once in a while it goes back and you see it. So they still need to fix that. For me, that's my biggest issue before limited field of view, which I think is acceptable. Please fix the glare. And it's grainy for the reasons I think you were sort of already pointing to earlier, but the graininess is also a bit... I don't know if they can ever sort that out. Oh, for the pass-through, you mean? Or for... Yeah. Ah, for pass-through. For the pass-through. It's not an easy one. I think it's the worst when you have no natural lighting, when it's at night, then it becomes more grainy. So that's a negative of the pass-through. Uh, you can see some distortion. Yeah. If you look at carefully the pass-through, you can see some distortion happening. I see that being relatively easy to fix with better tech, basically. What is an issue is really reading anything close because of that lack of autofocus. So it becomes blurry. So they need to add autofocus. So hopefully it's going to come because if you need to watch at any external screen or book or anything or passport, whatever, it's trouble to see it close. Yeah, and we haven't mentioned one important aspect of all of these things that relate to the pass-through and the image quality, which is the lenses, right? We both of us got lenses because we wear glasses, eyeglasses, that make the experience be seamless. We take our glasses off, we put the Apple Vision Pro on, and it's just seamless. That part of the experience for me was particularly a pro. I mean, it was just so seamless to do the whole thing through Carl Zeiss, and they sent it at the same time. In my case, they sent it at the same time at least. I got it, put it on, it just it was just working. So very, very cool the way they did that. On that, I'm a yes and no because actually it forced me to remove my glasses, find a spot to put them. When I remove the headset, I have to find my glasses again. And I realized that I have a Quest Pro where I've not bought the insert. And it's actually more painless because I truly take it on, take it off without touching my glasses, finding a spot for them. So I don't know, actually, if it's such a good idea. And obviously, it has additional cost. For me, I feel it's a nicer experience. And having done the one with the Quest, I feel it's a little bit more Mickey Mouse. The quality of, then of the experience with your glasses on is not as perfect. It might reduce quality, yeah. And everyone has different eyeglasses that have different formats. It will always fit in a funny way. So I understand why they took this decision, right? That it was sort of saying, you know, you can try and do it like that, but it won't be very good. I like the alternative because with Quest, you can also buy your inserts if you want. So you have a choice. Yeah. So video 3D recording. Apple has put that as a big thing. You can video record with your Apple Vision Pro. And actually, you can also do that with an Apple iPhone 15 Pro. This is bad. And I will tell you why it's bad. 
you are used to that this crazy immersive video recording from Apple. You can see glorious 4K 3D movies. Mm -hmm. And what you have recorded with your Vision Pro or your iPhone 15 Pro in 3D is a super small. I mean, it's 1080p. I'm not joking. It's 1080p at 30 FPS. So 30 FPS in VR is actually too slow if you want that immersive, like the 8K Apple immersive video. You forget it. It's just too slow. But more important, that 1080p is just too small. So if you watch it in your big 3D universe through your Apple Vision Pro, it's like a tiny vignette. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yes, it's in 3D, but it's a tiny vignette. And why would you want to watch a photo or a video as a tiny vignette on your Apple Vision Pro? There is no point. <laughs> and do you think this is a software thing that they'll solve at some point or no? I mean, they need better cameras. It's a lot. It's hardware. I mean, with better hardware, they, they will be able to achieve. It's not software solvable. You're still, yeah. Ah, no, 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 it's not. I think they, they went to the max they could do with the current hardware. And it might be just the hardware to record, you know, natively. Ultimately, I'm not saying it's an easy one to do. Huh? You still need to do dual video recording with two different eyes. You need to merge them in real time. I mean, there is work huh, to be done to do that. But my point is that until they move to at least dual 4K, it will be quite a crap experience. And right now it's a crap experience. And the iPhone Pro 15 is actually even worse because the two lenses are not... To do proper video recording, you want the two lenses space like normal human eyes. And that's what they do with the Vision Pro. The two recording cameras are spaced properly. But on the, the iPhone Pro 15, they are not spaced properly. They are too close to each other. So it's actually a very poor... 3D effect. So it's not only too small a window, too small a recording, but on top of it, it's, a, it's an improper recording. So I think they can correct this in hardware, but it will come with Vision Pro 2 or 3. It will come with an iPhone Pro 16, 17, I don't know. But for me, they need to change that for 3D video recording to be a real thing. And right now it's not. It works, huh, to be clear, but it's just too poor. Maybe to finalize on the, the cons side, obviously we've talked about the external pieces, input and output. It applies also to... Yeah, it's missing USB. It's missing one USB support. It's missing support to, to get it in and out. We've already talked quite a bit about audio limitations. Maybe you want to elaborate a little bit, Bertrand? Yeah, maybe again, one point, huh, we're missing VR controllers. Huh? That's a big thing. So that for me is huge. I just want to insist on, on this one. And yes, you can use uh, your PlayStation or Xbox controllers, but it's not the same. So they need VR controllers. Audio limitation. I mean, the audio is excellent, amazing, but we're missing bass from the speakers. So you need to connect something else. And you are forced to connect in Bluetooth, which is a pain because it will be lossy. And they say there is some level of uh, lossless with AirPods too, but... Ultimately, just give me a wire. <laughs> yes. USB-C or 3.5 millimeter or even better, some uh, higher end 2.5, 4.4, but give me something high quality. Right now, I have to stream in Bluetooth to high-end wired headset, which is crazy <laughs> to enjoy proper movie environment. Just give me a proper output, Apple. USB-C would be best. And also right now, apparently, the audio output is only stereo. There is no multi-channel if you want to enjoy proper multi-channel audio. Maybe we switch to apps, the apps that are currently available on the Vision Pro. I'll open hostilities with the content apps because those are the ones where I spend most of the time. Netflix, YouTube, definitely the Apple TV app, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max. 
I, a bit disappointed by almost all the apps. I think the Apple TV one is the cool one because you have all these things with the immersive content. A bit surprised that there's no content really released, Disney Plus and HBO Max, at least that I could find that was fully immersive in 3D. So a little bit disappointed, I feel, just day one apps that got quite a lot of attention and really the only one that seems to be doing well, shockingly enough, is the Apple TV one. So that was my experience, at least on the content side. Yeah, on the content side, it's really a poor experience at this stage because you are looking for, for sure for 3D content. If you look for 3D content on the Apple TV, you can find it, but actually when you want to launch them, if you have that content on another app, it will launch it on the other app and you don't realize you don't have the, the 3D uh, version of the content. So for instance, Max, you can watch Dune on Max app, but it won't launch in 3D. Yeah. If you want to watch Disney 3D movies, great. You have Disney Plus, you go to the 3D section, you watch the 3D movies, and then you realize, hey, there's something wrong. Oh yeah, what's going on? You don't have the movie theater option that Apple TV has. Mm -hmm. And it's only with the movie theater option you can watch 3D movies properly in big size. You're seeing like it's a TV at 3D, like it's a TV at 3D. You're not seeing the whole immersive experience. Yes, exactly. It's just not close enough, big enough. Yeah. So it's as if a bug and you're like, okay, so it means that to properly fully watch as intended these 3D Disney movies, I have to buy them when I want to watch them inside my Apple TV app. So I'm sure it will get corrected. Again, I'm just surprised of that quality at launch with partners. And as you say, there is no new content. The IMAX app works great, but only three movies and two that you must rent. So it's kind of limited, but it's working. One big miss is YouTube because YouTube has a lot of VR content actually, Yeah, but yeah. there is no YouTube app. So there is some app called Juno to replace YouTube if you want and you trust them. But it's not doing VR for what I know. So we're still waiting for YouTube to wake up. It looks like they're working on it to see it's on their roadmap, but then it's YouTube. So roadmap means six months, two years. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but that's a big piece of content missing. Huh? This is a, a huge piece. People don't realize there is so much 3D content on YouTube. So, And also Netflix, Spotify are not available, which is also interesting. I mean, with spatial sound and stuff. That's a big miss. Uh, I mean, you could argue that Netflix has no 3D content anyway, so you can watch it on the web, but you cannot download content, for instance. Spotify, it's a big miss. I mean, why would I watch Spotify on the web? It's just very odd. And of course, we know where it's coming from. It's a content developer war uh, against Apple, and they want to hold their apps. At, at least that's the assumption. The same for Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram. It's not there. So a lot of apps are missing. Basically, communication apps are not there beyond FaceTime. Some will say Signal is there, but practically it doesn't work. So sorry. So Zoom. Yes. Your pet peeve. An optimized one for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the Apple Vision Pro. It's a joke. The state of where it is, I mean, it's cutting audio. Well, it is allowed to have the persona. You can have the persona on it. <laughs> But it only lasts five minutes. <laughs> but you know, they have nothing to do that because the persona is coming for free. It's what is Apple pumping out as a camera connected to your device. Yeah. So there is no work to integrate it. So first, the app is absolutely not optimized. You cannot move people around that you are talking to inside your VR environment. It's just one big window. So it's total letdown. And just the biggest thing right now is that it's totally unusable because the audio randomly cut every 10 to 20 minutes. 
So you are losing audio and you have to restart the app. So it's just horrible right now. But once it's fixed, we are still missing a proper app that take advantage of, of the 3D environment. And I don't know if it's going to take months or years. It's not clear to me. A big issue, to be clear, for app developers is a very small user base. At this price point, it's guaranteed to be a very small user base. So I think it goes back to that. For the next one to two years, you can expect this to be a playground for developers, a great playground for developers, a great playground for uh, 3D video addicts. But beyond that, why as an app developer will you develop apps for uh, a user base that will be in millions at best in two years from now? We have the fundamental chicken egg issue. Yes. The issue of takeoff of AR and VR, in particular VR, has always been linked to the attach rates, right? To the number of devices available in the market that can allow you to have that experience. And I think everyone in their mind, because, you know, we're optimistic like that thought, well, Apple will be different because they have an incredible ecosystem of players around them, etc. But still, the attach rates of the Vision Pro specifically, which is the device that allows you to do this in, are going to be crap for a long time. So, <laughs> yes. so if I'm a developer, why would I develop for it? I mean, it's Apple, cool, but it's like, you know, I'm not going to have many users. Yeah. So why would I develop, right? That's so a, that's the same issue, right? Same issue. That's a big issue. We have the same chicken egg issue. I think what might help Apple is that, of course, and that was what they were careful for, is that any iPhone and iPad app is technically more or less compatible, except that... A lot of developers are choosing not to make it compatible. So basically, even the iPad app or iPhone app, they unchecked so that it's not available on the store. And that's what happened with Netflix, with Spotify, with Facebook. Even Dropbox is missing. I mean, I was going crazy that I cannot use Dropbox on the Vision Pro. So for me, that just that one Dropbox missing is like, okay, it's out as as a proper device I can use because I'm using Dropbox quite a bit. So it was very frustrating. So I think some will be fixed by developers because in the next 12 months, they will say, okay, if I have to fix two or three things to make it compatible on the Vision Pro, I will do it. But to really leverage that properly and make a native apps might be a gap. I think if you're a media app, you should definitely do it. You don't want to lose your brand. But again, some of my Netflix might decide to hold out for a while because they say, hey, Apple is not playing nice with me in some other environment, so I'm not going to help them launch their device. I have, I'm going to create pain for them. And that's an assumption. I don't know for sure their, their logic. But it's like, if I'm Disney, if I'm HBO, etc., why wouldn't I just say, you know what, guys, if I make it available, I'm going to charge for it because it's a different screen and there's so little take rate. Why would I do it for free and make that, that content available? and rendered for free like that. I think that's the problem. I mean, why would they want to have goodwill? I think it's a subscription business. You want people to be able to attach to every screen. Yeah, but it's not really. I think you might do like Netflix. You charge a higher rate if you want the higher quality. You want that 8K, you want that 3D option. It's higher rate. I would be fine with that. I would be fine. It's fair. But to my point, it's going to be charged for, right? Either they'll charge per movie or they'll charge per subscription or they'll charge for both, which Disney has done in the past, right? So it's like, welcome to the new world. We'll charge for both. <laughs> subscription and we'll charge per movie. Yeah, maybe. I will say at this stage, if 3D content is there, I'm happy to buy a bit more per subscription. Just to be clear, actually, when you buy a movie on Apple TV, if you remember in the past, you got for free your 4K version 
-hmm. And here it's the same thing. You get for free your 3D version. So my movie library, I got the happy surprise to actually get for free a lot of 3D content because I already bought the movie on Apple TV. So that was a great surprise. And I think Apple has, has shown the way to do it personally and to keep me as a buyer of content on Apple TV because I know I have that free upgrade coming at some point. And that's what I got here. I got free 3D content. But interestingly enough, I'm buying a few additional movies on Apple TV because I want the 3D experience. Yeah, so they're getting you both ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least for now, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. But at least I feel it's relatively fair for me if I'm buying, uh, don't always buy for sure, at least I'm getting my money worth. It's work on every device, every content, and I'm not paying extra for 4K or 4 3D, so we, which I make me feel great. Maybe to conclude, because some will consider the most obvious competitor to the Apple Vision Pro, the Meta Quest 3. And obviously, it's a different price range, huh? 500 bucks for the Meta Quest 3 versus 3,500 bucks for the base version of the Vision Pro without any accessory. I mean, beyond the second uh, strap. So what's the difference? So I put back my MetaQuest 3 <laughs> to remember what it was. Oh my God, the UX is such a mess. It's incredible how they managed to create such a bad UX. Where Apple UX is amazing. You put windows around you, it's working, you have your pass-through. Here it's just like, you don't know what's going on. You have a beta version of using your hand. The, <laughs> it uses controllers and hands mixing things up. The worst piece, however, is the play area. Because the play area now works automatically, which is great. It automatically scans around, but you don't need to do that <laughs> with the Apple Vision Pro. There's no need for this stuff. This concept is basically dated. And worse than that, it keeps displaying me dots all around me. <laughs> so I'm in VR immersive, and I keep seeing this blue dot, red dot telling me that the area is clear. Be careful, beware, you are going to kill yourself kind of stuff or destroy stuff around you, that's an horrible, horrible anti-immersive experience, <laughs> the worst you can get. So that for me was a big letdown. I was shocked how it's destroying the immersiveness of the experience. Yes. And the last piece is that it doesn't line up stuff properly to the ground. So there was so much content I was trying to consume and people <laughs> are stuck halfway on the ground, either up or down. <laughs> It was horrible. I wanted to cry. It was just like so bad. You are like, this is a total joke. So I was in shock, I must say. I'm talking about video consumption, huh, to be clear, media consumption. And there is pass-through, a kind of work to type on a keyboard, take a drink, but that's it. I mean, you don't want to mix things up because it's just sad. The pass-through is just sad. It's technically working, but it's so sad you don't want to see it. You don't want to see what's outside unless you need it. And I must say, that's also where the Apple Vision Pro is great. You know, that's that crown to turn and hide content or unhide content, what you are seeing outside very easily, quickly. It's so nice. You don't have that on the Meta Quest 3. So if you want to hide content or not, you need to find some ways to do that. And maybe, yeah, some other point. I mean, the screen is absolutely terrible. Once you have experienced the Vision Pro. You can't go back to the quests, yeah. You cannot go back to seeing pixels. And here, that's what it is. One, you see pixels. So it's low resolution. Whatever they tell you, it's crap. It's just you see pixels. But again, 500 bucks versus 3,500. Sure. But it goes back to use case. 
if it creates a situation where you buy it, you use it for a week and you never put it again, that's still 500 bucks you have totally, utterly wasted. So it's like, what's the point? I prefer to spend 3,500 and I'm using it every day because I want to watch movie on this stuff. versus something I'm never going to use. And the other piece is that it's not OLED screen, it's LED. And actually I was shocked to realize if you watch content and it's all over you, you really want actually the blacks to look good. And having that gray color is just horrible. So yeah, Apple was so right to go to with 4K OLED because it's truly game changer for what you want to do with it. At least from my expectation, if you want to do media consumption, and maybe last piece, the audio is also bad. Uh, compared to the Vision Pro, there is no comparison. So as a result for me, for media consumption, forget the MetaQuest 3, it's useless. Yes, it lets you experience 3D videos, 180 VR, but it's just bad. However, I think there are really some positives. No, I think those are the main ones. It's in a different league, right? It's a very premium device versus a very consumerist device. I would end just with a comment. I don't see a huge take up of something like spatial computing, enriched reality, VR, AR, at a price point that is wildly above 1K. I don't see it. And so either Apple finds a way to go down market or the Vision Pro will always be a very high-end device. And I don't see how that becomes a mainstream device. Everyone will point me to the iPhone is the most expensive smartphone out there if we look at the features, etc. Yes, but it's around $1,000. It's not around 3500 right? So, so again, you know, even people spending 3500 on their TV is a big deal, right? So I just feel just in terms of comparison, agree that definitely the MetaQuest 3 is definitely an inferior device and, and one that I would not buy either at this stage. But honestly, I'm not sure one would buy the Vision Pro either. To finish on the positives of the Quest 3, for me personally, it's actually more comfortable. Not out of the box, because out of the box, it was horrible. But with a cheap uh, third-party strap, it became way more comfortable. I actually nearly enjoy wearing it. So it's a huge difference versus the Apple Vision Pro at this stage for me. So I'm hopeful maybe some third-party straps will help improve the Apple Vision Pro experience in its current form. Another positive is that you can use your Quest 3 for PC VR, either through Wi-Fi or with a cable. And there are some additional experiences you can do with PC VR because you can have a lot more processing capacity on your PC. No external battery. That's actually nice. You just, again, me with my <laughs> glasses, I just take the headset, put on my head, it works. Remove it, it works. Again, surprisingly, the keyboard typing experience <laughs> works better. Clicking with the controllers, they also make a bigger keyboard. The keyboard is wider. They put a keypad on the side. Why do you have to click a button to show numbers when you have all this space around you and you can add a keypad? So actually, there are some stuff they do that Apple should have learned from. And I think the physical controllers have a lot of benefits in some situations, especially in VR gaming. So I think this stuff, the Quest 3 for VR gaming, even if it's pixelated and less powerful, is actually quite good. So if you want to enjoy VR gaming, and some people do, this is a great option. 
However, experience tells us that most people buy uh, Quest 3 or Quest 2 only to put it somewhere after uh, two weeks of use and not use it again. I was reading recently that one very big game developer that launched a pretty big game, Assassin's Creed, on Quest 3 actually just acknowledged it was a disaster and they were going to decrease their efforts on VR. So that's a bad news because this game was quite impressive on Quest 3, I must say. But that's also telling us, to your point, you know, go back to that conclusion. Is there a spot for um, a $500 VR device or a spot for a $3,500 VR device? I think actually the answer is somewhere in the middle. Maybe your entry level is 1K because you need to spend 1K to provide a decent experience, provide some VR experience, AR experience, or you need maybe to go up to 2K for that premium experience. But at 500 bucks, maybe all you can build is ultimately crap. No one would really seriously use. At 3.5K, you are out of reach of the mainstream. And to be frank, I think Apple overkill it. I mean, why do you need stuff like eyesight? Do you really need to read all my face expression so that the persona works okay? Do I really need the persona? Maybe I don't. Maybe I just do audio if I'm on my headset and I need to communicate with others. At least that's okay for the next few years, to be frank. Because am I going to really enjoy doing that for hours? I'm not sure. I think for the Vision Pro, I need stuff I cannot do with other devices. I need that 3D media content. I need that object I put in the middle of my home or office that I can look in 3D from every detail because I have a real use for it. Because I'm a car engineer, I'm an architect. There's a real reason I need that. If you give me that and it's really working well, maybe you don't need the gimmicks. Maybe you don't need the stuff around and That's how you cut the price to 2K so that you have this high-end device and maybe Meta get their act together and propose a very good high-quality 1K device more entry level. So this concludes episode 52 on the Apple Vision Pro. Hopefully we provide you another insight on what it is and not a fanboy perspective, but a more realistic appraisal of what is a device today and where it needs to go in order to get strong traction and become a true new alternative platform to what we already have. Thank you, Nuno. Thank you, Bertrand. You can check the latest on our website, decipheredshow.com. You can connect with us on Twitter at bschmidt and at ngpedro. As a disclaimer, these are our own opinions. We're not representing the views of any company. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe, give us five stars, or leave a review on Apple Podcast app or your favorite app, which will help other people to discover Tech Decipher. Thank you for listening. See you next time.